0: Back to another episode of the Refine Podcast. This week, I have my friend Greg Todd's with me, and I'm so excited to talk with you about marketing. Uh, so, welcome. We thank uh, you. Yeah,
1: yeah. Thanks. So, I'm so glad to be here.
0: Welcome to the Refine Podcast with Amber Anderson, where wedding planners like you come to be encouraged and challenged through radical honesty, tough love, and brilliant ideas. As a former personal trainer turned wedding planner and now educator, Amber is known for helping wedding planners grow through her no BS, yet considerate and thoughtful approach. The Refined Podcast tackles the issues you think about, but fear bringing up, all with Amber's trademark sass and wit. So as you listen,
1: be sure to hit that subscribe button, making sure you never miss that one little nugget that could change it all for you.
0: It's always fun talking with you. We um, go back a few years. I always love when our Facebook pictures pop up as memories from different conferences and things like that. So um, thanks for taking the time to chat today. So tell us a little bit about who you are and why you are qualified to talk about marketing.
1: Awesome. So I'm Greg Todd, also known as GT. So my company is GT Marketing and Consulting. I do social media marketing for wedding creatives and creative entrepreneurs and small businesses locally here in the Birmingham market, and then clients throughout the country virtually. Um, I've been doing that full-time since 2015, so have a little bit of credibility there from the standpoint that I've made it through the Facebook changes into the (laughs) Instagram world and now into TikTok, Snapchat, uh, Pinterest, and all, all the things. Um, so have seen things kind of come and go. And then, um, prior to that, in my prior life, I was a district sales manager for a large retail mattress chain for nearly a decade. And then the decade before that, I was the, um, education, um, sales education expert for Lowe's home improvement in the Midwest market. So I taught other people how to make money within a Lowe's store more than just people buying stuff off the shelf. Okay.
0: So I have a question for you.
1: Why are mattresses always on sale? Uh, Mattresses are on sale to drive people to the store because most of the time you don't pay attention to the sale going on in a mattress unless you need one. And so it's kind of one of those things. It's like that top of mind awareness theory Uh. um, of that. You see those mattress commercials, but you tune them out or back in the day when they would come in your newspaper, you would throw them in the trash can yeah. without ever looking at them if you didn't need a mattress. But the moment you need a mattress, you're like, who's got oh, them on yeah. sale?
0: That is true. Yeah. Cause we all know yeah. that about mattresses. Yeah.
1: yeah. It, it, I it, just... it, it's, it's a catch 22 because from a guy who had to spend 10 hours a day sitting in a mattress store. What most people don't realize is most people in a mattress store are there by themselves because you only have a two-person store in most markets, and you get two days off, and the other person gets two days off. So four of the seven days a week, there's only one person there. And, e- and then even on the other day where you do have someone there, you open, so you're there from you know, 10 to 5 or 10 to 6, and the other person comes in and works three to nine. And so you still only That's have brutal. a couple of you only have a couple of hours of overlap. So you have to be very good at self-educating. Thankfully, in today's world, you do have all the things on your phone and the internet where you can sit and read and scroll. Mm -hmm. But I mean, for years, those people just had to like, read books or
0: I remember that I because we I remember walking in the last time we bought a mattress and that's what the person was doing they had all these books spread out they were like studying something yeah and um I didn't really connect that with mattresses per se but I or with but I mean that makes sense I don't think I yeah. understood about the shifts interesting yeah yeah well, so it's
1: very very interesting but that that's why the it, but it, it's caused a problem that that we see that you and I have talked about at conferences before with the whole Do you do a a professional launch for your products or do you do an evergreen model? And it's the same thing for mattresses. They've run into a problem that nobody wants to buy a mattress now unless they're having a sale. And so you go through these months where there's not like a holiday. So like April is the worst retail month for the mattress company. And it's because everybody has either just had the President's Day sale that they extended for a week in February Yep. or and then they're they they've gone waiting to, for fourth
0: of july yeah <laughs> or, or <laughs> labor day i guess right they're memorial waiting for day, memori- waiting for memorial, memorial day, day
1: in may and so now you see commercials that are like don't wait for memorial day we have those prices now and it's like april 15th you know or they create yeah. fake ones we're having a tax day sale yeah like nobody no cares about that does get day. tricky
0: i i would refine try not to get too used to um like there are some years i don't do black friday and there are years that i do black friday in a way that i've never done it before and like Uh i try to move things around a little bit because you know all businesses need to do something it's called black friday for a reason because the black and the red and like you know that's that's a majority revenue driver time of the year for a lot of businesses and so um you got to have that at some point but to your point of like doing that all the time and then it trains people and you're like yeah and people that would have bought something anyway, we're only going to buy it at that point. So, right. um, it's a self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy
1: almost like you, you yeah. you've, you have great Memorial day sales because you've trained everybody not to buy one in April. And so they've mm-hmm. got this pinup up demand where they've slept on a bed an extra month where they would have just bought it in April had you not created this monster yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I do that, like we bought ours around a sale intentionally, like, okay, what's the next big holiday? And I do that with um, my kids' clothes in the fall for because mm-hmm. Labor Day comes um, and I always, there's, you know, Labor Day clothing sales. And so I buy all of their winter clothes at one time. Yeah, and I mean, I save hundreds of dollars doing that. It's a it sucks to do it all at once. I'm like, oh, that's painful
1: mm-hmm. in the long run,
0: you know. Yeah. <laughs> save a lot, but anyway. Hey, so talk to us today a little bit about, um, you know, when we as wedding professionals are going to delegate something into your field of marketing for say, for you know, uh, what what does that look like from, you know, we tend to be connected or we like to like control things uh-huh. <laughs> um and delegating I think is hard for people in general but especially for business owners and especially for creative business owners um so can you talk to us a little bit about like a successful relationship and who what makes a good client versus a, a client that's holding themselves back whether they realize it or not um yeah kind of just free let's free flow the conversation and see where it goes
1: yeah, so that that that's a very good good question because it's a problem that I run into a lot. You get people who are creative entrepreneurs that have been do- wearing all the hats and doing everything. So sometimes it's hard to get them just to take a step back. Mm-hmm. Um, So the first thing you've got to do is make sure that you've looked into who you want to delegate it to, and do they have the ability to speak like you speak? Do they understand your voice? Do they understand your overall brand mindset? Um, to where you can be confident in turning it over to them. So that comes with, you know, doing a little pre-call and and talking with them about asking who some of their other clients are and making sure that you're a good fit from that perspective. Once you've done that, then it becomes, do you have enough content that you can provide to the person to where they don't have to be asking you for something all the time? Mm -hmm. My biggest struggle with being successful at what I do is feeling like I'm not performing as well as I could because I'm reusing content that they've given because it's pulling teeth to get new. Now that's not always the wedding pros fault. We all know that sometimes you're waiting on the professional pictures back from the photographer, but I'm talking more of just some behind the scenes things, things that you should have in your repertoire already. And for whatever reason, either not don't have it organized so they can't share a Google drive or a Dropbox folder or don't want to share everything for some Mm -hmm. reason. The the clients that I have stopped working with that I thought would be good clients up front, usually it's because they have too high of expectations for what I can do with the information that they've provided. Right. And and we've tried to communicate ahead of time, but for whatever reason, either I didn't communicate well or they didn't communicate well what they were expecting. And it comes down to not having enough content to provide the results to them that I promised based on other clients.
0: Yeah. Well, I think wedding pros, um, and I'll speak specifically to wedding planners in this context is, I think there's this uh, roadblock of thinking it has to be portfolio-based. Right. And like you said, there's behind the scenes stuff, certainly. And then I think also um, what I would encourage those listening to tap into is thought leadership. Mm -hmm. And, you know, use, give content to those you're delegating to, like just ideas of how to, speak into the market and speak into uh it, it, the the same conversation we're having right here about like couples and like, what makes a great client? What, what makes, how are they holding themselves back and just talk about the hardships and, you know, or unifying your market, your local market on a topic or um just starting conversations, you know, like that yeah. is content. <laughs>
1: it is. You know? And, 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 and that's so much what, so many of the platforms want now with like Instagram stories for people who are already following you to build that community is more of that behind the scenes thought leadership type stuff, as opposed to the feed being more your, your secondary website portfolio or finding new people with hashtags or, you know, getting on the, the for you page, like you have to have a different strategy and you have to have somebody you're delegating it to that understands both of those
0: um, strategies. Well, I think too, as far as that content shift goes is the couples can look at pretty pictures all day long and see the list of who did it and, you know, some clip that you have about it. Um, But to really see your thought leadership, whether you're speaking to them or you're as a planner speaking to a group of caterers or whatever, like let them in on watching you engage with other wedding pros on your, you know, social yeah. accounts, because they'll see, oh, this person's a leader or, oh, this person's kind of smart and like uh that kind of all falls into place for them too.
1: Yeah, it really does and and the some of the clients that are not local, the way that I have kind of made that start to work is I'm I'm starting to send questions and prompts almost like you and I doing this podcast like here's some questions that I want you to ponder as a wedding pro and you just give me the answers and you either Write them out if you don't want to be on camera, which obviously I encourage most people to be on camera because people want to get to know your face. But I have some people that just they're older and they don't want to do that. So that's great. You can answer them and then I can turn them into beautiful graphics and add them to your story and add them to your feed. And I can even turn them into a reel now where I just take all of those different thought things and put it to music and it makes yeah. at least get you using what Instagram wants with a reel. And it allows you to be on TikTok because you can do the same thing there with some cool graphics and pointing. And we've tried all those different things for people that don't like to be on camera and talking, but the ones who do, they're like, well, I can't do that. You're not in my market. Set the iPhone up on a tripod, record these answers, put them in a Dropbox folder or a Google drive folder and I will edit them. Like that's yeah. part of what you're paying me to do is make that look social media ready. But I've got a client that's brand new. I was talking to her on the phone this morning and she's like, I just feel like we need more content. I feel like you're not sharing enough video content. And I'm like, okay, well, the reason I'm not sharing any video content is because you haven't uploaded to the folder that I created for you. That's a shared folder. I've shared all three of the videos that you put in there. I edited them professionally for you. Mm -hmm. And I was like. I recommended that you buy some lights. They're $99 on Amazon. I sent you the Amazon link to CeCe's cart so that you could just get it with her affiliate link at a discount and you get free shipping. And you haven't ordered them yet. You haven't set up the backdrop to where you can film that to where you have a consistent look. So it's like, I can't do that part
0: for you. Yeah. Well, and two, I think that people get intimidated about that right I I get that but also Mm -hmm. like we've been saying get on video for seven years now and if you're not on video now like you've like what's why are you even in business like stop Like, like I mean just like not why are you not in business or why are you in business but that's harsh. I just mean that like that is that's part of owning a business at this point, yeah. Um, and even if that means you're turning your static Instagram post and in, like you're posting a uh, animated GIF or something, yeah. um, because that that pulls up as a reel, and so like getting but you got to get your face behind there. And there are all kinds of like little tripods and lighting things, and some of them cost a lot of money and some of them cost nothing. I have one that, like, you know, Greg and I can see each other right now, but listeners, they This is like a little podcast thing that like rotates with, like I can set it up and then I can walk across the room and it follows me so that I can do, I don't do the dancing TikToks, but you know, there are things that are a little bit more like movement based and holding up my phone as a selfie, like that's just not a good angle for all that stuff. And so- Um, finding the things that make you feel more comfortable and confident and just starting somewhere. And I will tell you, when I started a video, I recorded probably all day doing who knows what, and it wasn't till like three days in that I finally was like, okay, this two minutes I can live with. And you just have to do that. And it sucks. Yeah. And it's a, it is a time suck. But then eventually like, you don't, you don't have, you just go, you just hit record and go. And it's fine.
1: Yeah. And I, th- I think too many people worry about it being perfect. Um, you know, we were talking before, um, done is better than perfect. And that's true when it comes to video as well. Like nobody that is going to book you as a wedding planner or wedding pro in any regard is going to book you because you edited this amazing video. Like they're not Mm -hmm. hiring you to be a videographer. They're hiring you to be their planner. So they, your video just has to be good enough to get across whatever you're trying to get across and allow them to get to know you because they're going to spend six to 12 months planning their wedding. Mm with you yeah. so they just no, want to know that they get along with you
0: that they and that you have information that they care about i renee one of our friends that most people listening to this are know who renee is anyway renee in one of her wedding mba talks this last year showed an example of a wedding planner i believe out of california that literally like is sitting in her car with her seatbelt on for every single reel and i used to do that i would leave the gym and i face would be all Red and sweaty, and like that was when I did like quick little face Instagram lives when like that was the big thing. And because it was just like, whatever, just get it out. And like, um, but this wedding planner has, I mean, like, I'm mad, like 100,000 followers or something like massive. And so that proves that goes to show that, like, I mean, she's just in her like clothes, like, I mean, just yeah, just in her SUV. Yeah, she's just giving you tips that are helpful, you know. And so I think something just
1: a, a little helpful. Tip for anybody on here that um, is recording their own videos, something else you can do with Canva and Adobe and all these different softwares now that you can edit. If you even want to just record, like I record a lot of mine now on this webcam that I'm on right now. So it's horizontal, which is not Mm -hmm. perfect for Reels, but you go drop that video into Canva and resize it for an Instagram story that fits right onto a Reel. And can be repurposed for the stories on Facebook and Instagram, yeah. and and now you can even do it if you've got the pro version of Canva. You just hit it to resize it for Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter, all of them, and it resizes it. You download it. Now you've got this video that you can chop up and use across Anywhere. every platform, and you recorded it at once.
0: Yeah, I find that using Canva for uh, reels and TikTok are so much faster than doing it in the platform. Yeah or like yeah. in Instagram itself. So yeah, good tip there. Um, And another thing that I think throws people off is these voice overlays and they're mm-hmm. fun. They're so fun. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, you can also like, you don't have to match it. You can kind of do facial expressions where you're like, li- you're the listener. You're listening in on this right. conversation. You're like, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. And like those still show your face and a little bit of personality and whatnot. So that's a good way to dip your toe in the water too. Is yeah. You know, not feeling like you have to catch the overlay.
1: Yeah, and if, if if you're having trouble figuring out what topics to talk about, go duet someone. You know, that's another good way to mm-hmm. to figure out. I mean, take some thought leader that you already admire and just duet their video and, and respond to it. Like, that's a quick yeah. way. And, and and who knows, they may respond back to you. And then you got yeah. the credibility of their audience in front of you.
0: You shared it. Yeah, yeah. just get some... Filming motion.
1: Yeah, just get some get some difference? out
0: there. Yeah. So okay. So what are some um what are some ways that uh you know you mentioned this person hasn't uploaded their video, but like what are some other ways that people get in their own way?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think just trying to be too perfect um is one. And then I think the the other thing is um imposter syndrome. They they really get too caught up in we're not doing things exactly like my competitor and I I spend a lot of time of breaking the mindset of having to be like your local competitor because if Mm -hmm. you all look the same then you you become a commodity and it's very hard for anybody to want to book you over your competitor so you have to do some things differently and something that I do differently than most people who are a social media manager I'm I'm an Enneagram 5 so I'm much more off of this podcast off of um kind of being on the camera for social media, I'm much more okay with sitting and reading a book and being by myself, which is right. kind of ironic considering I'm married to an Enneagram 7 that wants to be involved <laughs> in every little thing you could possibly be involved in. But because of that, I really love the analytical side of social media. So right. I spend a lot of time analyzing when to post, what to post, what's working, what's not working. So what makes me successful with my clients and in reverse, the ones that I haven't been successful with are the people who don't value the information that you're providing into the why behind what I'm posting or when I'm posting it. So mm-hmm. what I do differently is I don't guarantee you're going to go viral. Nobody can guarantee that. No. If somebody mm-hmm. is guaranteeing that you're going to go viral, run, because they can't. No, they um, can learn
0: patterns of like, this is working well in your content. It's going to perform better. Right. They can they can certainly communicate that, but... Yeah, there's yeah. no guarantee in that. There's stuff, no
1: guarantee. So. Um, but what you can do is look at that historical data and come up with a game plan for next month. If something didn't work this month, let's identify why it didn't work. Is it is it an anomaly or like did we do something that didn't make sense and then make a game plan to move forward? It's no different than you know, you have something go wrong at a wedding and the linen didn't look great in photographs, then you figure out a mm-hmm. way to either light it better the next time and you tell the photographer ahead of time, you're going to need to bring in some, some flash because it, that, that didn't look good or you don't get that linen the next time, but you learn from those mistakes going forward. And it's the same thing with social media. Like you could post something that you think is going to work and it bombs. Well, why did it bomb? Was it the wrong day, wrong day of the week, wrong time of the day, wrong hashtags. There's all these things. And the best thing you can do to figure that out is to isolate one thing from that so post another post that's very similar to it on the exact same day at the exact same time but use a different set of hashtags or flip it around and do everything the same except the day of the week yeah. and see and and sometimes it, it's just luck especially when yeah. it comes to reels and tiktok the algorithm is so random at who they're putting it in front of that you just have to be okay with i'm putting out good information that represents yeah. my brand well whether 10 people see it or a hundred million see it.
0: A hundred percent. Because you know what? Like that I have stuff that like I'll put out and I mean it just goes bananas and then I put something out the next day and it's got like two likes on it. And I'm like, what just happened? That's so right. like that's so bizarre. But you never know when that one thing, like I you should you should look at your social media as a closer, right? Yeah. So like it's not about them seeing that post when it goes live so much as seeing it when it matters when they're shopping you and they're, they're scrolling through, like maybe that's when they see it and that's when it makes an impact. Yeah, you know?
1: absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that, so I guess ultimately to get back to your original question, what makes a good client is one who's willing to listen. And so it, it both ways, I'm willing to listen to what your goals are, what you want to accomplish with social media, but you have to be willing to listen to that expert. Like if, if you're willing to to delegate that and pay whether that's an on-person team member that you're hiring to do your social media on your team or you're delegating Mm -hmm. it to somebody like me that owns an agency. If you're willing to pay money for it, then obviously you value their expertise in some way. So just like you want the bride and the groom to kind of stay out of your way as the planner, because you've done thousands of weddings and they only have planned one in their life. Same thing when it comes to social media, like trust them long enough to make changes to your social media, you have to give them time too. don't don't expect a miracle when they first take over, because what I happens know. is you have to that social media manager has to break the habits of whoever's been doing it up to that. Point. Yeah. And so your your analytics will tell you one thing, but you like I tell people all the time, well. My analytics, when you took over, said that 6 p.m. was the best time to post every day. And you never post at 6. And I said, the reason it said 6 is because that's the time you always posted. So the only analytical data that Instagram had to go on was what you were giving it. So I have to move it around enough times so that we can see, is there another time of day or day of the week? When's your
0: audience active? Yeah. Okay. So like, how long do you say that process goes? I've kind of heard a general, like, give it 90 days. But like, what, yeah, I, what do you think? Yeah,
1: yeah, I say 90 days to really start to see a move of the needle. Um, And I require a six month commitment if you want to work with me, just okay. because I feel like the first 90 days is figuring out your brand voice and breaking the habits that whoever's done it before me has created. And then generally that 91st day through the 180th day, they're ready to renew well after okay. the six months, because those, that month three through month six, you're, you're starting, you're, you're starting to see the difference. And then you're like, yeah. Oh, why, why would I go back to doing this myself? Yeah, so. no,
0: totally. It's, I, it's been game. It's like, it, it's, I'm so glad I did it. I, it's been one of the best things I've ever outsourced. And, um and I feel like because I've trusted this person, they've gotten it, right and they speak in my voice and we write things together so I write a lot of the captions she writes a lot of the captions or she'll write part of it and I fill in the rest of it or um, we have a really good system to where it is still coming from me or from Haley and it's like really is team refined Um, but she produces a lot of ideas that you know it's clear that she's gone on my website and studied and she's looked she's listened to a podcast or she'll she'll come she'll she'll present something I'm like I've never even told you that as content idea she just it's clear she's paying attention. right? And so um, speak to the audience in regards to that. Like, how does someone know that they have found a good person? What should an onboarding, a successful onboarding process look like? Um, Because, you know, I've had VAs before where like, they're like, yeah, sure. What would you need me to do? And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. What can you, like, I don't know what I don't know. (laughs) And then they do a great job with what I give them. But then I have, I've had VAs have this whole system and this questionnaire. And like, it just, is magic. So what does right. that look like on this front?
1: Yeah, I th- I think the the key there is, is doing an onboarding call and figuring out for sure is setting clear expectations on both sides of the table. So, um how how I have a welcome email that walks them through like I need this password, I need you to add me on Facebook this way because you can't give me the password. You have to go in and actually add me yeah. as a as as an editing role, right? Um this and that and make sure that they understand that Yes, I'm going to have access to all this, but you've signed you've signed a contract. I think that's very important. We talked. I'm sure you harp on that from a wedding perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people who do what I do don't provide any kind of contract. I have one that talks about like I'm not going to use your information to harm your business in any way. You're not going to hold me responsible for any kind of negative feedback you get from a post as long as I was doing it in mm-hmm. the vein of representing your business well. Right, And so when you do that, like you're
0: looking at competitors information, you know, so like making sure everyone feels protected from that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I I think it really, when you do that onboarding call, it's what are the goals? And then that gives me the opportunity to say if those are realistic or not. And you've probably done that before the hiring process, but I like to reiterate it after they're officially a client and say, okay, remember, we talked about the 90 days getting us to six months. And here's why. So this first 30 days is really going to be me figuring out your, your voice. And you're going to see some, some post that tank because I'm going to post at times you haven't been posting. And that's because a lot of the people who are following you are friends and family who are never going to buy from you, but you've used, you've used this social media, not only for your business, but also for your personal life. So therefore you've got a lot of people who are not clients. So for us to find new clients for you, we have to start posting at times that are not convenient to your friends and family, but are convenient yeah. to the client at large. And so my
0: my social media manager made me purge a lot of that. She was like, yeah. I mean, I purged like hundreds of people and I yeah. like realtors that were following me so that I would follow them back to boost their number and like realtor right. have nothing to do with real, you know, just, she's like purge anything that doesn't matter. And I was like, yep. I don't want to lose these numbers. She's like, trust me. And yep. it took off.
1: It, make, it well, makes yeah, a huge, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, and if, if you want a few of those people to still be able to follow you because they want to follow your stuff, then keep those five or 10 that you really oh, love, yeah, for sure. But, but then get rid of everything else. And yeah. and that, that's for a couple of reasons. One, it'll reset the algorithm for you um, because part of what Instagram uses is the percentage of followers to people you're following. So if you have a bunch of people you're following on your business account and it's close or more than the people that are following you, you're not getting shown to a lot of people because they look at it as though you're a consumer of content, not a creator of content. And so if you want to be a creator of content, you've got to get those numbers reversed. And the quickest way to do that is to purge them. And you can only purge a hundred a day or they'll think you're a bot. So, um, kind of a funny story. One time I was coming back from traveling and CC takes Adderall and she gave me one to help me make sure that I got home safely and when I got home, I was wired because I don't take anything. Like I very rarely even take Tylenol. So I'm yeah. very, I was very just wired. And I was working like a madman sitting in my recliner at like midnight and started like following and unfollowing and doing all this stuff. And I got shut down on Instagram for like three days because they thought that I was a, a bot because I was, I was moving so fast. And yeah. so word to, to the people listening to this podcast, 100 a day is the limit on instagram that you can unfollow so uh, and and i I have a client right now that started her business she used her what used to be a personal instagram and trans moved it over to a business platform so she had all those people that were just following her as a person originally and we literally have a timer set on her phone every day at noon reminding her to go delete 100 people until we get it down to where to be
0: clear audience we're talking about deleting on both sides followers and those that you follow. So right. when I use that realtor example, like there, a realtor has no need to follow me at all. So I don't want to. I don't want to show up in their feed because it's wasted. Uh-huh. I want to show up in someone's feed that's going to like my picture, so that someone else then sees it. Because my understanding, and this may have changed since I've had this conversation, is Instagram or whatever you're using like is only going to show like ten percent of your audience your thing just to see if they start to like it, or like, like if they're going to engage with it. And if they do, then they'll start. Showing it to more and more people, but like if they show it, if ten percent of my following is jump, and that's who sees it at first, then it's not going to engage either. with it.
1: Exactly right. So, yep.
0: um, so it can be really scary to hear like you need to go on, you need to go kick people off, like your followers, <laughs> right? Because it's like what we like live for those numbers, but really and truly, I um, my uh, engagement rate at, um at one point last fall was 63% and the average rate was like what 5% or less 3% or something like that healthy rate is 3% and you know it hasn't stayed that high but it's stayed in the 20s and but I have a much lower following than quite a few of my direct competitors but it's like I don't know what their engagement rates are Maybe they have 90% but I I have a really good engagement rate so you just can't worry about that stuff don't worry about numbers like that
1: that's right. I would rather have a hundred people who will buy from me than a hundred thousand that are on Instagram, but none of them are ideal yeah. clients.
0: There's definitely social proof involved mm-hmm. with, you know, follower following counts. So don't, don't, we're not dismissing that totally, but we want it to be healthy followers. So, right. um, yeah, So no, that onboarding process I think is really helpful and important. And I think that, um, people, um, just like what you're talking about when we're talking with our couples, what we want of them we need to give to those that uh, we hire as service providers. and I find that yep. we sometimes don't. And I think mm-hmm. that's interesting uh, that we treat each other in a way that like like what happened to the golden rule here? <laughs> right. Don't ask don't ask your clients to do that if you're not willing to also do it. Um, and um yeah, I probably like had one more thought in there about um, the working relationship. It might come to me here in a second. Well, I, but I think
1: while while you're thinking of that, I think one other thing is just make sure that you're you're willing to communicate to the person that you're delegating it to. So I have had some clients in the past that were frustrated with the results, and you had no idea that there was any frustration on the other end because, like from the analytic standpoint, all things were moving in a in a good direction yeah. um, compared to when you took over, and so. Um, the way that I have combated that, and this is something that people can figure out in that onboarding discovery call, some clients that I can tell are going to be a little bit harder to please, I've included in my price a weekly 10-minute phone call. And that phone call is just to check in and say, here's what I did over the last seven days, and here's what's coming in the next seven. Yeah. And it has dramatically improved my retention with clients. It's dramatically improved their perception of success because they're not just looking at what they can see if they were a social media expert, they wouldn't have been hiring me in the first place. So they're making these assumptions based on only the things that they can see. Whereas if I'm explaining to them the thought process behind, Hey, I know that one tanked, but it was on purpose because I needed to see if those hashtags were still working and they're not. So we won't be using those next week. Here's what we're using instead.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's valuable. And I think that, you know, as a consumer of that, one thing that has worked well in our relationship is when I go to Katie, I say, hey, this one, this one kind of missed the mark for me. You're like, that wasn't what I was expecting. Um, Do you, I would get, and I just approach it with like, I'm sure there's a reason, but if this was just a like, you thought this is what I wanted. I just wanted to be clear. So that, you know, we all, I always come, it's approach matters. Right. So like, Mm -hmm. I always assume she had a reason and then she educates me and I'm like, Oh, well that makes sense. Um, or it might just be like, Oh, you know, that does make sense. But for my goals and for my audience, I think I would like to not do that. And so we just come to like, okay, that's cool. Um, and just, I also like to just learn. And so when, I give that feedback, I end up learning something and that's helpful too. Cause then, you know, there are days that I feel, I don't have her post every day. So there are days that yeah. I fill in and I need the information myself. And so um, this is what I, my thought was, and we'll wrap up with this. Um, so like we use as Asana and I'm sure you have, you're in a system and people are going to have their systems. And one thing that I'll say as a coach in general whether we're talking about marketing or something totally different, when you hire someone, you've got to use their system. The same. We want our yep. couples to use our systems. Right. Um, it's really easy for us to be like, well, this doesn't work for me. That's not what my brain thinks. Well, like learn that before you hire them, like ask those questions, because mm-hmm. if it's a program that you're not like, if someone wanted me to use Trello, I would know that's not someone I can work with simply because I, I can, for the life of me, I cannot do Trello. Yeah. Um, but I have figured out some other platforms that someone else might think are really hard. And so, you know, you have to figure out what systems they're using and if that's a fit, because this is, it's really systematic when you're mm-hmm. outsourcing something like this. And, um, but Greg, talk to us about like any adaptations that might happen, because no one really comes into a relationship and 100% uses an exact system. There are combinations, yeah. but like, how does, how can we as a consumer approach that without hissing you off or like, holding ourselves back or like
1: what does that look like Yeah I, I think it's just uh, again it comes back to communication and how you approach it but ultimately I try to find out all of those things and I I may be a little different than some people who do what I do since I help run another wedding business um yeah. as well so I've got a, diff- a little bit different perspective like I understand different than some social media marketing people I understand the ins and outs of the cash flow and the the wedding season versus right. booking season and all those things that affect the communication that affects when you're getting that content. If you don't understand that up front, then if, if you're thinking of booking somebody who is a marketing specific person, but they're not a wedding related person, then you need to explain to them before you hire them that, Hey, there's a booking season. There's a wedding season. Yes. And during wedding season, I'm not going to be as available to answer your questions or provide you with content. Not only is I'm not going to be more available, but neither are the photographers. Like their timeline of getting me the pictures back expands during certain times of the year. That's a good season for recycling. Right, right. So you're going to have to get more creative with graphics or pulling some of the best posts from previous in the year and using that. That's the other thing, too, that um, I try to explain to my clients. A lot of the times when people are booking me, it's because they're overwhelmed. And part of the reason they're overwhelmed is because they're trying to create new content all the time. When really you should be recycling your best content because you have new ideal clients every three to six months that Mm -hmm. are getting engaged. And so if you only show that something that performed well once, then that's something that potentially could be the type of wedding that this new engaged person would book you for, but they've never seen it because they're not going to scroll that far back on your feet. Yeah. And so you have to be okay with repurposing it in a new purposeful way, maybe yeah. changing the caption some, bringing it relevancy to what's going on in the world now, but the image or the video can still be relevant, repurposed yeah. a second time.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I think systems too can be jostled by just current events. I think we've learned that in the last couple yeah. of years that we can all like have a system and a process and deadlines and plan and then we're all knocked out for a whole week because of some news cycle right um and so like having that built in and having it just a basic understanding of you know when I had that extra week off I had to message I had to message everybody and say hey look like I and I as a consumer I had to know like hey I know this hinders you doing your job and I have to I will accept that whatever doesn't get done this month is on me yeah. Um, cause I'm the one holding you back. So I can't expect them to just come up with stuff when I'm absent for a week. Right. Um, in the middle of what they, in the a time frame that they needed something from me on. So it's like, great. If you can pull, if you can make something up and it works awesome. And if you really needed me, then I understand I'm, I'm the problem. Right. So,
1: yeah, yeah. that's really good. I, th- I think ultimately, I hope- Ultimately, like everything, it comes down to communication and the person that you book, can you interact with it? It's no different than why would a couple book you as a planner, like because they can work with you. They understand what you do. Like, obviously, you have the expertise to do what they need done as a planner, but ultimately they're booking you over someone else because they connected with you on some human level. And it's the same thing with me. Like, ultimately, people are booking me because not only do they understand that I know the marketing side, but I understand the wedding side or being a small business owner are all of those things. And so ultimately we just have to communicate along the way so that it's a good working relationship at different seasons of life for both business owners.
0: Yeah. No, hundred percent. I, yeah, I, yeah. Well, this has been really helpful. Uh, I think that delegation is hard and scary. And for those of you that are listening, we do have a freebie on the refine site. If you go to the, get a refine for wedding planners.com to the Refined shop. There's a tab there. You'll go to um, free resources, have a um, delegation idea list that you can grab. And I can kind of point you in the right direction on some ideas here. But you can apply what Greg and I have talked to you about in other areas of outsourcing. It, like the we're talking about like working relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, we've 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 done it from the angle of marketing, but apply that communication and approach and Avoiding assumptions and just trusting who you hire um, to all areas of delegation. So, and, and to, and I'll, I'll, this last point here is I think another thing, like I was talking about how it would overhaul things at times, communicate when you're going to do that, still praise the person, like, hey, this was really awesome. And it got me to this other point. And, you know, that way, that way, when you do give feedback, they don't just feel pooped all over. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and then they know that you're still going in the right direction. So um, yeah. anyway, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us uh, where people can find you and work with you because this is a service that I know so many are asking for.
1: Yeah. So I spend most of my time on Instagram at GT Marketing and Consulting, all spelled out, or you can go to com and find my services page and everything that I offer.
0: Perfect. Uh, Greg, too, also, if you got our recent newsletter, this will probably air. So we're talking in January right now. Um, this will probably air late February. But uh, we recently put out um, an SEO guide from Greg. Yes. And it's actually it's actually on that um that tab that I was telling you about on the website. So you all can uh, grab a little bit from him and kind of get. Yeah, see. See what he provides and go from there. So, yeah. Perfect. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Greg.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.